Yeah. So I have my, uh, my uh, uh, office painted as an American flag. So I got a blue wall behind me <clears throat> or in front of me. And then on the side, I've got red and white stripes. And then I have the Constitution and Bill of Rights hanging up. Tailored Well Saver podcast is here to bring you tailored stories that will educate and inspire you on how to enjoy life, grow wealth, and become a wealth saver. We're your hosts, Q and Adrian. I'm an investment professional with an MBA in finance. And I'm Adrian, a financial counselor, and I help my clients establish and reach their wealth saver financial goals. One of the fears Stay and I had when we purchased our first home was that we would have unfriendly or stuck up neighbors. Thankfully, we have the opposite. Insert us meeting our neighbor and guest for today, Carl McGarvey, and his astounding wife, Kara, through their weekly Sunday Fun Day extravaganzas. So a little bit about Carl or Major McGarvey, if I'm being proper. He serves our country as a pilot in the Air National Guard full-time with two additional streams of income, one through short-term vacation rental properties and a second by serving as a realtor. Today, Carl joins us to discuss how he helps his real estate clients build wealth through house hacking, a wealth-building tactic that is sometimes overlooked and misunderstood. Welcome, Carl. Wow. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me, making me feel like a celebrity with that kind of introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're really excited to be here with you guys. So this is my first podcast. I'm uh, pumped to talk house hacking and real estate. Yeah. So let's, I mean, let's jump right in. So lots of, um, you know, wealth saver listeners aren't aware of what this is, but, you know, we hear, we see it on with uh, influencers and on social media, you know, people have talked about this tactic called house hacking. So what is house hacking? Sure. Uh, Yeah. So you're right. Bigger pockets, especially here in the last five to 10 years has blown up this phrase called house hacking. Um, and they've coined a lot of terms between, you know, that and Burr, uh, done a great job of really marketing, um, just this concept that's actually been around for like ever, uh, house hacking at its very root is having a roommate. That's all it is in the nineties and eighties. Uh, we used to grow up, go to college and you'd go to the city, you'd rent an apartment, but instead of renting with one bedroom, you'd rent with two or three and you'd rent out the other bedrooms to make your rent cheaper. That allowed you to have a bigger, nicer place to live. And so uh, lately, they've just coined that as house hacking. So house hacking is buying a house with a few bedrooms and renting out those rooms to make your your living costs free or less or even being able to make a profit. Um, People do it with duplexes, triplexes, uh, but at the very most simple way of doing it is buying a single family home and renting out the rooms. Hmm. So why wasn't that popular or hasn't that been popular for a while? Like why is so it just not I think back? it's been popular. I just don't think we had social media to tell everybody we were doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I honestly think and and if you go to a city like New York City, you know, if you work as a waiter or in the service industry in, in big cities, there isn't the money to have these big nice apartments. When you watch shows on TV, 20, 30 million dollar New York apartments that are, you know, all of one bedroom. Um, How do you afford that? So the way to afford housing becomes either rent from somebody or buy an apartment and have multiple roommates that share with you or rent the apartment and then split the rent between people. I think now that we have social media and podcasts, um, people are talking about it. And and especially in the last couple of years, real estate's become so big uh, in terms of investing. 
Um, once you coin a name to it, that sounds a lot better than just having a roommate, uh, you know, build it and people will come, right? So give it a cool name and, and put it all over social media. And once somebody grabs on and it goes viral, off you go. So question, you mentioned investing and a little bit, I know your background from investing. How did you transition from just basic investing, stock market into real estate? Sure. So I've always had this kind of feeling that I wanted to get into real estate. Um, You know, you read, you read books and all the millionaires in the world seem to have some sort of real estate investments, whether it's commercial apartment complex, whatever. Um, So I knew I wanted to be a landlord because those were all the people that had money uh, Mm. when you're growing up. Um, So a few years ago, I finally said, hey, uh, finally kind of in a place in life, not moving around every 12 months for the military. It's time to settle down and and think towards the future. How do we get into a rental property? So for six or seven months, I listened to every podcast I could. I read every book I could. Uh, I basically learned the language of real estate, which I think is very important. Um, you have to be able to speak real estate before you can dive in. That way you understand what words mean, uh, how the, the math works, um, simple things like how to vet a tenant, just the general business, because what you're doing is opening a business. Uh, at the end of that six to eight months, uh, ironically, I had shoulder surgery and I was told I had to be out of work for four weeks straight sitting on the couch in a sling. So for four weeks straight, I sat on bigger pockets and vetted my team and ended up meeting my real estate agent, Holly, who is now my business partner. Um, And we used uh, the time after surgery to find the property and decide exactly how we were going to get into real estate, what method was right for us, which ended up being short-term vacation rentals. Uh, And yeah, three years later, we now have two vacation rentals, extremely successful down on the beach in Galveston. Um, And then even more recently, I've started actually uh, another way of investing in real estate, which is I'm now lending money out to uh, house flippers at interest. Uh, So 100% passive, they get to have my money and and flip a house with it. I don't have to do any of the work. And at the end of the six or the 12 months, they're going to give me a percentage of my money back uh, on top of what I gave them um, just to keep that, that money always working for me. To stay on to what we, like, I guess the house hacking topic, what is it specifically about that? You know, the, the concept um, that you like so much. Sure. Uh, the reason I love house hacking, especially as a real estate agent, is I get to work with um, young adults, uh, even in college, that have a chance to buy a property and be homeowners at an extremely young age. Um, I think that's extremely important. And when you go to the basics of investing, they always say time is your best friend. The longer you have, the more exponential your growth can be. House hacking provides an opportunity for these 20, 21, 22-year-olds to come out of college, buy a house at a low down payment, potentially need a co-signer, which is fine, um, and live for free. And while they're living for free at these, you know, in their home, they also have these entry-level jobs where they're maybe not making a ton of money yet. But if you're living for free, all the money you would be paying on housing, you can now put towards other things, whether it's reinvesting for a second house, whether it's um, other things in your life by being able to buy a car. Uh, It's just making living cheaper for you to help you start out on the right foot a lot earlier in life. And the fact that we have the opportunity to help 
young adults get into investing and build wealth from such a young age, I think is extremely powerful. Uh, example I have is I actually have a client who closed on his first house. Uh, we're about three weeks ago at this point, 21 year old. Um, he nice. closed on a house 5% down with a conventional loan. And the goal is uh, in the next two years, he'll buy a second house. And by the age of 30, he'll easily have four or five homes, okay. uh, four of them being rental properties, one being the one he lives in. So you mentioned something really interesting. Um, you know, the, obviously most Americans hear the concepts, okay, you need to have 20% to put down on a home. Sure. You know, you want to avoid the PMI or the privatized mortgage insurance. Um, but you just mentioned here, like 5% down, which yeah. even in a conventional will have PMI. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, PMI, if it's my house, I don't want to pay for it. But if somebody else is paying the PMI for me, does it really matter? Mm. Uh, and, and honestly, for me, it doesn't. Um, if I'm able to get an investor or as an investor, I'm able to get at a house at 5% down. So on a $200,000 house, you know, you're, you're at $10,000 in closing costs. Um, if I'm able to do that, and other people are going to pay the PMI for me while they're renting out my rooms, the PMI really doesn't hurt. Um, and oh, by the way, if you use a conventional loan, the PMI is going to go away at 22% equity. Uh, so as that house uh, grows in equity, we're going to see inflation over the next few years and grows in value. Um, and your equity gains, that PMI is eventually going to go away, unlike the FHA loan. Um, in the FHA loan, which is 3.5% down even better, uh, you will never get rid of that extra insurance payment. So uh, I always tell people go conventional um, so that you don't have to do the refinance at the end of the year or two. Uh, but yeah, if somebody else is paying it for me, honestly, I, and the numbers run, it, does, it doesn't matter to me. Smart. Now, Carl, you're making a lot of great points. So on our first episode, we had our guest, Bob, who is actually a retired Marine. He talked about house hacking as while he was a junior Marine. Can you walk us through the process, kind of what you did for the client you just mentioned? Um, if a well-saver investor comes to you, wants to get into house hacking, they purchase a home, like what is what's that process look like for your client? Sure. Yeah, I actually listened to that episode. And when he started talking about having roommates, I got extremely nervous that I was going to have no good secrets to give you guys <laughs> when I got on. I said, oh man, this is it. This is, I'm never getting on their podcast. Uh but it was great. No, it's, it's proof is in the pudding, right? That, and he even called it, he called it having a roommate um, instead of house hacking, right? So two different terms, it's the exact same concept uh, and it's been working for years. Um, but, but back to your question, if somebody comes to me, the, the first step is you got to have your finances or, in order. Um, you don't have to be rich to have a house, uh, but you don't want to have lots and lots of unnecessary debt. Credit card debt lenders aren't going to love big car payments. Um, you need to take a look at your debt to income ratio and make sure that it's it's realistic. I recommend calling a lender and going through the numbers with them. Um, lenders want your business. They get paid by getting you a deal, right? So it is incentive to them when you call them for them to work with you if, if you're going to get a deal at the end of it, right? And there's incentive for them to find you a deal and shop your deal around. So the first thing is you have to get pre-approved. Before we show anybody homes, we want you to be pre-approved. We want a realistic look on what you can afford and what a lender is going to approve you for. Once we get that pre-approval with a number in hand, we're going to go to the fun part, which is house shopping. We're going to go out and start looking for homes that make sense for house hacking. Um, one of the things I point out to clients is when we go out looking for homes for house hacking, you're not looking for your dream home. You're looking for a functional home. We're looking for a home that makes sense to have people renting out rooms. Now in a duplex, that's pretty easy. 
because I'm going to live in one side and they're going to live in the other. But in a single family home, if I buy a five bedroom house with only one bathroom, now we have five people all trying to get in the bathroom at once. Um, it, it's not functional. And then when you go to, to getting reviews and needing more business, uh, it's probably going to hurt. So uh, we're looking for the maximum amount of bedrooms possible. So the deal we just did was a five bedroom house. And then you need multiple bathrooms. Um, you need them conveniently located. And then uh, depending on, you know, if you're able to rent out the master bedroom with a private bathroom, now you can even charge more money. We look at things like that. If there are private spaces in the home, if there's places we could add a bathroom into a bedroom, mm. um, if you have big bedrooms, we're looking for functionality of the house as opposed to really minute, oh my gosh, this yard is perfect. I love the pool kind of details. Uh, we want a functional house that's going to rent out well for the rest of your investing career. Once we find that house, it's, it's normal home buying. We are putting in an offer, negotiating, working with the lender to close the deal. And then after you close the deal, game on. You are the landlord. You're getting the house ready to, to rent out and you're choosing exactly how you want to do it. And there's tons of ways you can do uh, house hacking in terms of how you want to rent. You know, Airbnb and, and VRBO and the short-term rentals make sense um, depending on, on where you live. Uh, the last house we did was actually up close to Hobby Airport. So one of my recommendations was potentially opening it up to pilots and flight attendants as a crash pad. And you'd be a live-in landlord that takes care of the space and takes care of the things for them while you're gone. Um, Long-term investing makes sense. I even recommend if you have multiple bedrooms to rent out, use a different bedroom for different purposes. So one might be an Airbnb, one might be a long-term, and now you have diversification in the income you have coming in, which will protect you in the long run, hopefully, uh, if there are things like COVID that just happened where people aren't running as much or traveling as much. Um, so there's a lot of ways to skin the cat in, in, that, uh, in that arena. And then after that, you start running out the rooms. It's all about property management, keeping the property up to date, keeping it clean, and keeping your guests as happy as possible so they recommend your property to others. 10 and 2, man. 10 and yeah. 2. Um, uh, and for people wondering what that is, uh, just remember you're, you're looking at a 10 year replacement time frame. So every, you need to be doing a review every two years of your property to make sure everything's intact. And 10 also refers to about 10% of your, uh, income should be going into a savings to, for replacement costs. hundred percent. And the nice thing about being that live in landlord is, is, you know, you talk about the two year, year review, it's you, you can do an everyday review. Uh, without even having to think about it, because you're going to be constantly getting there, getting the feedback. Um, so that will that will be a lot more se seamless. Uh, the other thing I bring up with house hacking is you talk about setting 10% aside, uh, which is perfect. You are going to make those replacements anyway if you live there by yourself. So now somebody else is paying for all those repairs for you. Yeah. I uh, I have a question for you. Um, sure. You know, obviously there are going to be some highs and lows here. So what, in your experience, what have been some of the um, positives and maybe some of the less desirables? Sure. So the, the positives is, is when this works perfect, you're living for free and maybe even making some profit. So any of that leftover cash flow is going towards hopefully house number two. Um, but at the very least, you are not paying rent or your own mortgage. So living for free is powerful. Uh, that that fifteen sixteen hundred dollars a month here in Houston for a a two hundred thousand um, dollar house, which which is actually very cheap in the Houston area, uh, is significant savings that you can be putting elsewhere. Whether it's future investments, a future home, um, or just living expenses. Um, the downside is you have to have roommates. Um, 
you can't get around house hacking without having somebody live with you. And so you're going to give up your privacy. Uh, if you have a duplex, like I said earlier, they're going to live in the other side. Not that big of a deal. But if you're sharing rooms, um, you are going to give up a lot of pri privacy. And then there's the, what if I don't like somebody I just signed a lease with? You know, mm -hmm. you potentially you're stuck with them for a year. That's why I like Airbnb. If you don't like somebody, maybe they're there three or four days. You can kind of deal with it, right? Um, but for a year, it's a significant investment in your time and, and energy and, and just mental health sometimes, depending on who your roommate is. Um, but the, the key really is, you know, once you open your door to others, you're now a landlord. You can't be emotionally attached to that house. Um, you are running a business. Uh, and, and it's all about making the numbers work and getting profits so that you can invest. Um, the other disadvantage is, is some of the finance. Uh, what you want to do is you want to be very upfront with your lenders with what you're doing um, and, and being able to scale. So in, investing, the more exponentially we can do it, the faster, the more money we make, the earlier we retire, whatever your goals are. Uh, for house hacking, the majority of lenders are going to have a limit on how long you have to live in the home before you can move to home number two. Uh, commonly, I see that's about 12 months. So you're gonna have to be in the home for 12 months, which is fine. Um, stay in the home for 12 months, save up money for house number two, and then after 12 months, move on to the second home and then start renting out that first home full-time. And if you're able to do it every 12 months, in 10 years, you could have 10 houses. More realistically, I think it's probably gonna be every, every two to three years. Um, but as you start adding homes, so you get to home number three, now you have three homes giving you cash flow. Your savings for home number four, home number five come much more quickly uh, than they would have uh, in your first year. Um, but the biggest downside is just that lack of privacy and having to be a landlord. You mentioned earlier uh, duplexes and single family homes. <clears throat> no, you know, not every home is obviously going to be a single family home. There right. are condos. So can you talk a bit why you uh, lean more towards one over the other? So part of uh, going multifamily versus single family home is going to be market driven. Uh, South side of Houston here, League City, Friendswood, um, Webster. We don't have a lot of multifamily homes, so it's just not an option. Uh, you go down to Galveston, there's more multifamily homes, but in my opinion, maybe less of a market for the house hacking to work. I want to be up closer to Houston in a busier city. Um, so it's, it's, it's a little bit of work with what you've got and make that work for your business plan uh, if it's possible. Uh, things like condos, I don't typically advise, and that's because of the HOA. Um, HOAs are going to be a little bit more strict on what you can and can't do in terms of rentals, which brings up another point because even single family home HOAs may have issues. Uh, so you want to make sure you understand all the rules um, when you're getting into the property. But for where we are here in Houston, single family homes just work because that's what we have. Perfect. Now that we, like you've mentioned before, there's going to be a chance for these for individuals to build the number of homes that they have in the repertoire. Yep. Do they all keep them in their name? You know, that's a great question. If you go onto the any podcast, any blog, it is argued about for days. Um, those are some of the most popular, uh, most popular discussions out on social media. Um, you know, if it's if it's just a couple homes, I don't see issue with it. Uh, I always say the people, the reason you do it is is uh, hundred percent liability. 
Um, you know, there are these things called umbrella insurance policies that you can go to your insurance agent and talk about. They'll protect you for a lot of money and, and will help out. Um, but, you know, to comment, I want to get an LLC people run to. There are loopholes in that too. So 100%, that's a discussion for CPA and, and your insurance agents. Um, I don't want to be the one that, that says yay or nay. Personally, the reason we went LLC on one of our properties was because we had a partnership structure and we wanted to make sure that that partnership structure made sense and, and uh, was well-defined. Um, but there are insurance policies that can do the same job as an LLC. And then a lot of people mention LLCs for tax savings. You don't actually need the LLC in real estate for tax savings. You can do that as a sole proprietorship. Um, so 100% uh, for tax savings, I would say no. And, and really just for a couple of houses, you don't have enough money or equity for people to come after where it makes sense, right? Um, but 100%, that is a, a great conversation to have day one with your CPA to get their opinion. So Carl, with today's seller's market, would you still say that house hacking is a good way to invest? Why or why not? You know, right now, I think with the seller's market, especially as somebody uh, young doing a first time home, home buyer kind of purchase, I think it's perfect. Um, it like properties are selling for record numbers. Uh, I've seen a little bit of a cool down and I'd say a little bit of a cool down. We have homes going like four days on the market instead of one day. Uh, but that's a drastic change in terms of what we've seen over the last six to eight months. So so there's there's um, signs of things slowing down a little bit. And, and there's a number of factors for that. But, you know, interest rates are low for first time home buyers. They're still hovering right about three percent. Um, and the fact that when you get into that home, even if you only rent out one of your rooms, you're still making money back that you wouldn't be paying in rent. So, um, you know, on the last deal we just did, for example, to give you guys some insight, the home was purchased at 212,000. It was a five bedroom, two bath home. It needed a little bit of work, but that's okay. Cause we're going to force some equity into it. Uh, we're going to force appreciate that home. Uh, we estimated about a 25% cash on cash return at the end of the year, assuming he gets all, all four of the extra rooms rented out. Uh, so that was about $3,900 in cash flow his first year. So that's profit on top of, so now he's living for free. He's paying zero rent and $3,900 a year in profit. And if you go one step farther and add in the fact or add in the money that he's saving, so add another call it 800 to $1,000 a month, uh, you're now looking at something close to $10,600 in, in cash flow a year that he wouldn't have been paying, um, which is significant on the percentage side. Um, so I think it's a great time to house hack. I think it's a great time to get into properties uh, there's appreciation to be made over the next 10 years. Keep in mind, real estate investing is a long game. Uh, so you buy the house now and you rent out one room year one, maybe two year two, it gets better, but the value of the home is also growing. So a $200,000 home now in 10 years may sell for 250, 300, you're making money that way too. Um, and you're getting tax savings as a young adult. Um, the IRS is very, very forgiving to real estate owners. Uh, especially when you're a landlord. So there's lots of money to be saved that way. So I think it's a great time to house hack. Uh, there are deals everywhere. If it wasn't a great time, people wouldn't be buying. Mm. Good point. So question we ask all of our guests, what does the term wealth saver mean to you? Sure. Uh, so yeah, I think I think for me, the term wealth saver is is uh, the everyday actions you're taking to get closer to whatever that that final goal is. Uh, of financial freedom. 
you know, Q and I were talking uh, before the podcast about how it's to sit on the beach and have, you know, running no, none of our businesses and just collecting the check at the end of the month, um, retiring early. It's uh, every action you do towards that. You know, not everybody has 10, 20, 30, $50,000 to put down on a home. Um, but just because you don't have the money yet doesn't mean there's not steps you can take to get that money, whether it's creating a budget reading a book, listening to a podcast like this one to learn ways to get yourself closer to that step of financial freedom. Um, you know, day one of being an investing, you're not going to go out and buy a house. You have to learn how to buy the house first. Um, so being a wealth saver is taking that action and putting those steps in place to get yourself to your goal. Carl, if there are listeners who want to get in contact with you, yes. what is a great way that they can reach you? Uh, so I'm on Instagram. Um, the tag is uh, Real Estate Investing Texas. Uh, also on YouTube with the same channel name. Uh, you can look me up on Facebook. I'm the only Carl McGarver dash Carl McGarvey dash realtor on Facebook. And then uh, the easiest way, honestly, uh, is my email, which is carlrmcgarvey at gmail.com. Um, and I respond to every single email I get, no matter what the question is. Uh, I love talking real estate, even if it's just back and forth banter about housing markets and when the crash is or isn't coming and, and stuff like that. Um, I, I will answer every single email I get every day. Thank you. Yeah, Carl, it's been a pleasure and um, very informative. I know we had a lot of listener questions come in specifically about housing. So um, this is going to be one of those episodes I think we're going to get a lot of feedback from too. Awesome. But every all of my wealth savers out there, guys, if you have any questions or topics you want us to cover, you know, we listen. We go out there and find those people to interview. So keep those questions coming and we'll look forward to hearing from you guys soon as we prepare for our next episode. Thank you so much, Carl. Yeah, no, I thank you guys for having me. This has been fun. Like what you heard? Make sure you rate us and subscribe to Taylor Well Saver Podcast. If you have podcast ideas or topics you'd like for us to cover, email us at podcast at tailoredwealthsaver.com dot com.